Well, as always, it is a privilege of mine and, and an honor, really, to stand before you and be able to open up the Word of God, to be able to simply take a moment, maybe the next 30 minutes, and just have our Bibles open and be able to, to see what God is capable of doing. Now, if you do have a Bible, um, hopefully you have one by now, uh, go ahead and open that up to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 20 through 21 this morning, which is going to be on page 977 if you're using one of those Black Pew Bibles that are sitting around the room. And by the way, if you do not have a Bible, please feel uh, welcome to take that home. Put your name in it, mark it up, that's our gift to you. Now we're going to be at a, in a few different texts today, but I really want to camp out in that Ephesians 3 passage now, to many of you, uh, this is a surprise because I have, I think, done a, a pretty good job over, you know, the last, you know, year and a half that I've been here to, to kind of, for you guys, when you walk in on Sunday, to a little bit of expect what to walk through in the Word. Because usually, typically, what we do is we, we pick a book of the Bible and we just walk through it, right, verse by verse, line by line until the end. And we've been doing that with the book of Philippians book of Philippians. Now, and I have to say this, I have had any, I, last Sunday I had every intention to continue the book of Philippians when we departed. But for the first time in my tenure as a pastor here at Carson Valley Bible, um, I felt that it was necessary and it was good for us to just simply take a pause in the book of Philippians and direct our attention to an attribute of God, an attribute of God. And I want to do that for a couple of different pastoral reasons. Because this past week has been a difficult week for many in this church. Uh, by my own just role um, in this body, I, I get to be on the front lines of a lot of things that are going on in your life. And throughout uh, the people in this church, many of you have been dealing with the realities of a fallen world this week. Whether it be the issues of loss of life or the complexities of things going on in Afghanistan. It could have been those of you who knew people and are trying to help people who are dealing with the destruction of Hurricane Ida over on the East Coast or the ongoing fight against COVID-19 and our healthcare workers who are, who are working that front. Or I think for even many of us, right, the, the realities of a fire, the Caldor fire that's been at our back door. And, and just to be honest, man, this fire has been, it's been unlike anything I've ever seen in its, in its strength and its past and its kind of destruction in, in my time being in this valley, which has been a long time. So with all of that going on, And just spending a lot of time in prayer, as I, as I always do, just in the text, just felt that, that God wanted us, God desired for us to maybe just take a moment and to look at something about him, about him. Because the truth is, when we pray, when we pray as a church, which a lot of us have been praying a lot this week, 
when we pray as a people, we pray in what we know about God. You pray in relationship to what you know about God. It affects the way that you pray. And so as I've been praying this week, there's been one attribute of God that I felt like has been coming up in my prayers over and over and over again. And as you can see just from the slides behind me, that that attribute is the power of God. The power of God. Because what, when you pray, knowing that there is power in the God in whom you're talking to, that he possesses power, and the, the theological word is omnipotent, that he's all-powerful, all-powerful, it should shape us. Even as we come to him with big prayers, right, deep prayers, ones that you have been praying for this week, praying for the fire, praying for your marriages, praying for your health, for your kids, we've been praying a lot. And I believe that this passage in Ephesians which we're going to walk through, it actually comes after Paul has been praying for the church, instructs us a whole lot about how do we think about God. So that's where I want to turn our attention to this morning. But it would be unjust of me to begin doing that without prayer. So I want to just take a moment like I always do and, and just simply pray for you. Pray that you would receive the word of God this morning. Pray for our kiddos. And as I'm doing that, will you pray for me? Pray for me that I would rightly extol and proclaim the God of Ephesians 3. So let's go ahead and do that together. Let's pray one more time. Well, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have called us all here this morning. God, I thank you for every man and woman in this building and for those who, by God's grace, are able to, to, to tune in from outside of here. God, I pray for our our teachers, our kids, as they learn about you. But God, I pray that you would take your word, Lord, and you would just illuminate it for the hearts and minds of every single one of us. Whether it's the first time we've been in church for a long time or maybe we've been, maybe we've been here for Sunday after Sunday. But God, we, we don't want our, our hearts to turn cold or callous to you and your power. And so, Lord, we ask that you would tune our hearts to sing thy grace this morning and see the grace that comes with the power of God. We pray all of this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Let me go ahead and just read this for us this morning. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Church, that is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, we're, we're simply thankful for God's word. All right. So there are times in every person's life, in every Christian's life, and maybe you've experienced it this week, where we would be tempted to think about our prayers and honestly ask ourselves, are these prayers going to be efficacious? Meaning, are they actually going to do anything? Are they going to do anything? If I actually pray for the things that I want to pray for this morning, the way that I want to see God work, is it actually going to make a difference? Is it actually going to make a difference? I think we are all tempted some days to feel that way. 
And so here in the book of Ephesians, where we just jumped into, just to give you a little context, Paul has been praying. He's been praying for the church. And if you were to look just kind of previously in verses 14 through 19, you can see and read his prayer. It's prayer for faith. It's prayer for a hope. It's pray, prayer for the love and knowledge of Christ to abound. These are deep prayers, big prayers, to which we all want to have, don't we? We all want to be able to pray and to cast our burdens on him to what's actually going on in our lives. And so Paul has just been praying for the church. He's written this out. But ver- and then verses 20 through 21, which we're, this is what we're going to camp out in for the most part, is he shifts to then teaching the church in Ephesus and by us extension today of why. Why do we do what we just did? Why do we just pray? And what does he say? Now to him who is able. Now to him who is able. See, Paul makes a shift. Instead of talking to God in prayer, he's talking about God to his people. It's a it's a doxology. It's really a declaration of prayers, of praise, right? That, that kind of that benediction that, that you know, t- typically I give out at the, the end of our service where I'm saying, I want to encourage you as you leave through here. Paul is saying, I want to encourage you by saying, now to him who is able. But who is able? Well, he's speaking about God. He's speaking about God. And according to what? How is he able? Well, Paul says, according to the power of in which he possesses. But notice that's the power in which he uses for our sake. The power at work in us. You see, church, we, if we're honest, I think church should be a safe place to be honest, right? We're, we're forgetful people. We forget about this. We forget about the God in whom we're speaking to all the time. We forget about who he is. Or maybe... Maybe you've actually never been taught about the power of God. Maybe this is actually kind of a strange idea. And, and here, maybe just personally, let me tell you, there was a lot of my life that I really didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And it was partly driven because I thought Jesus didn't bring anything to the table. Like, why would I add him to my life? What benefit why in the world would this guy who of 2,000 years ago have any real difference in my life now? Truthfully, I, I thought that I could handle a lot of things on my own. I thought, you know, maybe my own works, my own morality, my, my own strength, my own ability and skill set to do the things that I wanted to do would get me wherever I wanted to go in life. Now, the only problem with that is it didn't last very long. It didn't work out, right? If somebody asked me, how is that going? There would be a lot of confession in a lot of ways. It's not going really good. And the reason why it wasn't going very well is because at the end of the day, I couldn't give an answer to why things happened. I couldn't give an answer to why some people got cancer and some people didn't. I couldn't give you an answer to to why I would do things that I swore I would never do. But yet, they would happen. I couldn't couldn't tell you, I couldn't give an answer to those things. 
So when it came down to it, those tough realities of this world, the brokenness in which I saw out there, the brokenness in which I saw in myself, I knew I actually didn't have the power to do anything about. I could say superficially, yeah, I can, I can change this. I can better myself. But I knew myself. I knew there was limitations about me. You see, the power of God is central to your understanding of everything when it comes to God. Everything. Jesus himself, let me show you this from Matthew 22, verses 29. There's a couple people basically debating some theological issue. And they ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, why don't you, you give us an answer here? Look at what he says. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong. Because... You know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. So we take a lot of time to go through the scriptures because we believe that they can make us wise for salvation in Christ. They can teach us about who he is and what he's done. He can, it can teach us about who we are outside of him. But notice that Jesus puts emphasis on his power, the power of God being a central component to you actually knowing and following God. For you to actually be a Christian. You actually need to know what is the power of God. It's central. So what is the power of God? What is he able to do? Right, that's, that's what Paul is starting to communicate to us. You don't have to go very far in your Bibles, though, church, to see that God wanted to go after this right away. He wanted this to be known right away. In the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, the very first book, we see God immediately start showcasing his power. In Genesis 1-3, it says, God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. When God said, let the earth be in existence, what happened? The earth became into existence. Right? When God wanted to fill the earth with, with animals and trees and water and air and, and everything in which we see around us, what did God have to do? Speak. And it came into existence. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty powerful God. A power to create something out of nothing. But his power did not end with simply speaking things to existence. Especially when it comes to creation. Because creation is now forever going to be under the domain and the power of God. That's why when I had Justin, at the beginning of our time in worship this morning, read Job 38 for us. Because it's that passage in which when Job is questioning, God, why are you doing what you're doing? Don't you have the ability to stop this? And God answers back to Job and says, do you know what I'm capable of doing? Were you there when I set the boundaries of where the oceans are? Or were you there when I set the earth on where it's at in the solar system? Were you there when I told the sun to rise and set every single day? See, God is always after showcasing his power, his ability. And how good news is that for us today? That God has power not just in being able to speak creation into existence, but also to govern creation today. Because what kind of God would he be if he wasn't in control? What kind of God would that be? Right? If he was like us, I don't want a God that's like us. Right? I don't want a God who's, 
who's like me in a sense that I wait for the nightly news to see what's going on in the world. Or I don't want a God that's like me who's waiting for a Facebook group to be updated so I can see where the fire has spread. I don't want that type of God. I want a God that's beyond me, that actually has power in his voice. I mean, for goodness sake, my son Levi, you guys have seen him, little three-year-old running around looks just like me, okay? When he's doing things, I can speak to him, right? I can tell him, Levi, do not do that. And he will look at me, smile, and continue to jump off whatever he's about to jump off, right? God does not have that problem. See, when he speaks, creation listens. It listens. It obeys. And he does everything according to his perfect will. That's why we can pray, God, will you send rain? And he can send rain. Or we can pray, God, can you cease the winds? He has the power to cease the winds. And that doesn't mean that he's going to do that simply because we prayed it. Right? God is not a genie who just follows our, our requests like we're his master. No, God always does everything according to his perfect will. But we're able to go to God and pray big prayers because he is able. He's able, church. Let me point out a few different texts where throughout Scripture God has revealed this to his people. Look at this in Jeremiah 32, verse 27. When Jeremiah is bringing up another problem going on, this is how God answers him. He says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh, God of all creation. Right? And then he says, Is anything too hard for me? It's rhetorical. There isn't. Or think about Sarah, Abraham's wife in the book of Genesis, when she finds herself very advanced in years, but yet her and Abraham want a child, right? Want to be able to actually live out the promise which God has given them. And God says, I am going to give you a child, Sarah. I'm going to give you a child. And you know what Sarah does? She laughs. She laughs because that's her just way of processing that there's, there's, things going on in her life that seem so far outside of what she can imagine being possible, so far outside what she can even wrap her mind around, she laughs. And do you know what God says to Sarah? Look at this. It says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Lastly, let me... And I don't, have a, I don't think I have a slide for this, but Mary, the, the mom of, of Jesus, when she was told that she was going to get pregnant, that she was going to, to carry in her womb, even though she was a virgin betrothed to Joseph, even, even though it seemed outright impossible, when an angel says, hey, you are going to get pregnant, you're actually going to carry the Son of God, you're going to carry the Messiah, through you, you are going to, to give birth to God Almighty. Can you imagine Mary in that moment thinking, what? How, how is that possible? Don't you know the circumstances that are part of my life? Don't you know the physical realities of what, what needs to happen there? And in, do you know what the angel tells her? He says, listen, Mary, listen to this. 
For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. You see, there are areas in our life where we have limitations. There are things going on in this world where we go, I don't know how I can have any role in it. Now, that's actually not a bad place to be. Because when you get to the point where you realize that you are not in control, where do you turn? You turn to the one who is in control. The one who actually has the ability, who actually has the power, and it's the power in which God possesses and which he uses for his church, for uses for his people. He uses for those who bear the image of him, which is all of humanity. And he uses it for us and for his glory. So look back at Ephesians with me real quick. So that's what's going through the mind of Paul when he says, now in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. See, God uses his power then to go beyond just what we can pray for and what even we can think about. That is good news, church. That is good news when we think about all the ways that we've been thinking, all the ways that we've been praying this week, that God is able to actually go beyond that. That means God is able to do things in your life that you didn't think were possible or things that simply you can't even articulate. You can't even muster the thoughts behind what you desire, what you want to happen. God's actually able to go beyond that. And the greatest example of that is what? is the fact that if you are a Christian here today, if God at some point in some time took your heart of stone and said, I'm going to turn into a heart of flesh, and gave you this heart and the desire to know him, to turn from your sins, right, and surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus, to believe that what Jesus did on the cross actually counted for you. Do you realize that that was the power of God at work? That was the power of God to go beyond what you wanted, or what you even desired to happen in your life. That's God at work. That's the power at work. That he had the ableness to take what was dead in sin and make it alive in Christ. To take us who were blind but now can see. What a gift that is. What power that is. That is not power that we possessed. Right? One of the best ways that you grow as a Christian is your understanding of what you did in salvation gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And you see that God at work in you gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Because it all comes down to his power, the power to make you a follower of Jesus, the power to take you from being an enemy and to now make you a son or daughter of the Most High King. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I... You know, I don't know about you. I never thought that I would speak those words that I just said. I didn't think I'd ever be in a spot like this. This is not the script I had written for my life. I don't know if you guys know this or not. I, I don't meet very many people who grew up saying, you know, I want to I be a preacher. I want to tell people about God. Because that's not something, unless God works in you, it's something you desire. But yet, here all of us are, where God has gone beyond what we thought or what we had written for our life, and, and I can't think of a better place to be. 
I can't think of a better thing to, to contemplate and meditate upon this morning. And guess what? He's also not done with me yet. He's not done with me. Earlier in the book of Philippians, when we were walking through that, Paul made a statement about God and what he's able to do when he says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So meaning that all of still the areas that I have anxiety over, all the areas that I still don't trust him, all the areas where I still forget about his power, he goes, I know, I'm still at work in you. I'm still moving all things according to my will. I'm still able to do far more abundantly than all that you ask or all that you think. Now, if I can trust God in the area of my life, in my salvation, church, then I can trust him in every single else, every single other area of my life. If I can trust him in the area that needs to be addressed more than anything else in this world, then I can trust him in, in every other area of this world. And here's the big idea then, church. And this just comes straight out of verse 20. That means and that there is not one prayer, there's not one thought about God or to God that you can have that's too lofty. Right? You can't outpray God or you can't outthink God. That he's able to do more than your best prayers. That is good news. That even if I have what I, what I believe in my feeble self, right? A, a, a prayer that I really desire to have. God's able to go beyond that. Far more abundantly. Look at this from Isaiah 55 verse 8. When God is speaking about our own thoughts, right? Our own prayers. He says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts, and my thoughts than your thoughts are higher than those. Okay, so what is, what is Paul, or not Paul, what is Isaiah saying in this moment? Right, what is, what is God saying in this moment in the book of Isaiah? Saying that, what Ephesians 3 is saying, that God is able to go further than what we desire. So as we come to a week like we just had, and we will probably have in the coming weeks, right? Or, or every week after this. We don't know. But when we have areas where it seems like all we can do is pray, all we can do is think, how in the world can God make this right? We can trust that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's ability is higher than our even request of his ability, and we can take great comfort in that this morning. I hope you see that. That even when there's days where maybe my prayers are, I just want safety and comfort, God will say, how about I give you courage and I give you the ability to stand in an area where you didn't want to stand? Or maybe when I'm tempted to put my hope in my body or my finances, my career, God will humble me and say, no, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Or put it plainly, that maybe God will do things in my life that are not just about me in my circumstances or my comfort, that he will do things in my life that, quite honestly, I don't want. 
I don't want him to do, but it will lead to generations and multitudes of people down my family line that will be able to look back and say, God was faithful then, as he is faithful now. And by God's grace, just be a a conduit for many people to come into the kingdom. Don't ever take the suffering of this world and say it's meaningless. God's always able to use it for his glory and his good in ways that we wouldn't write. And the Bible's full of these stories, isn't it? Almost every single story, right? You think of Adam, think of Joseph, maybe Ruth, Mary, as I mentioned earlier, Paul. Every single one of their lives, they would not have written for themselves. And quite honestly, we probably wouldn't even believe it unless it was written down. And we could see how God has been using things and suffering all to his glory. And we're able to just look back and see, do you see how God let this circumstance lead to this? Do you see how he let this position or this part of their life lead to something bigger than even them? I mean, even Paul's own suffering has led us to read his prayers today in a different light. It's all over the Bible. So God is able to do more in this broken and sinful world than we would ever think or even imagine. And so if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? So let me ask you, is this the power of God at work in you? Is this the power of God at work if you? If you're not a Christian, you're not kind of sure where you're at. That's what I want you to wrestle with this morning. Do you know this power? Do you know the power of salvation? Do you know what Christ has done? Do you know his ability to do whatever he wants in this world? Because I want you in a, to God to move in the same way that he moved in my life. Is take my, my little Jesus, right? My powerless Jesus and replace him with the real Jesus. The Jesus who's king over all. The one whom all creation comes through and is for. That's what I want for you. Because you can continue to be dependent on something. We all are. We all are, but I want you to be dependent on the one who's actually in control of this world. So I would plead with you. I would plead with you then. For all of us to let our prayers let our prayers be soaked in just the, the corridor of God's power. Let it shape us. Let it move us. Let his power just be the, the drumbeat which makes our prayers go. And it's not an accident. It's not an accident, church, that we have the things going on in our life, whether it be personally or as a community. They're there for his glory. And so what is the result of all of that? We'll look at verse 21. To him be glory. All of it is pointing to one ultimate reality, and that is the glory of God. The glory of God. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So where do our prayers as they're, as they're moved along by the power of God, the knowledge of the power of God, where do they end, right? Where does the buck stop? With the glory of God, with the glory of God. So we do that, and, it, and Paul points out we do that in a couple of ways. We do that in the church, right? 
within the people of God, where if there's any people in this world that's supposed to be about the glory of God, let it be here. Let it be manifested here. Let it be proclaimed here. Let the glory of God be in the church. But then he says, and in Christ Jesus, ultimately in him. Because what does the church do? It points to Christ. It points us to him. It's about him. And for how long? Throughout all generations. Forever and ever and ever. Here's the good news about that, church. Guess when the power of God is going to cease? Never. It's never going to cease. It's going to go on for every single generation, forever and ever. There's no situation that's going to come down the line, right? There's no tribulations that's going to come. There's nothing that's going to happen where God is going to say, oh man, this is beyond me. There's no emergency that's going to happen and say, I don't have the resources to do anything about this, right? There's nothing that's going to be beyond him. There's no end to his power. There's no limit to it. There's no hurdle too high where he says, dang, we had a good run, but this is too much. We may think that at times, but God never does. Thank goodness he's not like us. Thank goodness he's bigger than us. And I think Paul ends this prayer, this doxology, in the most appropriate way that any, any person following Jesus can And by saying what? Amen. I agree. This is truth. To God be the glory. Amen. Church, so as we leave today, right, as we we go about the rest of our lives, as we jump back into the book of Philippians next week by God's grace, we're doing so remembering that the power of God is forever. It's eternal And it's going to be at work in us and it's going to be at work in this community uh, for all times. And so let's pray that way. Let's lift our voices to that end. And if you don't know him, as I mentioned, I pray that you would. Maybe this is the first time that you're realizing this is the power in which actually God has. Let somebody know. Let myself know. Let me help you maybe pray for the first time with the power of God at work in you. But let's go ahead and just end there in the word and let's pray together. <clears throat> well, Lord, what a, what a gift it is. What a gift it is to simply be able to, to lift up your name, be able to lift up the power that's at work in you or the power that's work from you and at work in us. God, that there's not one, one thing that happens in our lives. There's not one thing that's happening in the world today in which, which is beyond your sovereignty or beyond your ability to do something about. And God, we know just from your son, from Jesus, that, that you take on the things that are most important. And if you've taken on the things that are most important, everything that's less important, even though it's still important, you, you desire to do something about it. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you in, a, in just the most humble way that we can. In your name we pray, amen.